Hey, if you brought your Bibles, you can open it up to the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 11. Um, keep your fingers nimble. We're going to be moving several to several locations. As you'll recall, through the summer, at least for a while, I'm going to sow some faith into you. You know, the disciples of old one time looked at Jesus and said, Lord, increase our faith. And uh, I believe faith can be increased. And the reason I'm not putting notes on the screen or I'm handing them out to you is not because I've suddenly gotten lazy. But it's because faith comes by. Faith comes by. One more time. Faith comes by and hearing by the word of God. And so I really want you to hear more than get all wound up in filling out a note sheet. That's fun. I like to fill in the blanks. I kind of like to know where we're going. But more than that, you know, sometimes things, things need to be caught and not just taught. Isn't that good? You've heard that before. You, you, can't, teach, you can't teach people into everything. Some things you've got to... You got to catch. You got to. You got to get an impartation. You got to get it in your spirit. You got to. You got to have something just hit you, a light bulb turning on, in order for a spiritual principle to work in your life. And so, we've hopefully designed some things. And some of this is reminder, perhaps. But even for some of you, I'm hoping that what you had as information can be transitioned to revelation. A lot of us are information carriers. But that's not what change, changes your life, your circumstances, or anything, your surroundings. Information is good to have, but information spiritually is only good when it becomes revelation. And revelation means that, you know, there's a light bulb that's clicked. There's an awareness that comes. It's not just, it's not just something you were told or taught. It's something that has become uh, in your very fiber of who you are. It's hard to describe what revelation is. It's when you know that you know that you know. And that's what we're endeavoring to do. So we've been sowing faith into you. And I brought notes with me, but even then I've kind of left my notes and just wanted to talk to you and share with you about some concepts of faith. And as I was thinking about tonight, because literally the lesson is tonight, I wrote down contending for your faith or fighting for your faith. A faith fight. You may not realize this, but if you want to function in faith, there's going to be some fights along the way. And... You know, it said of Paul that he had, he had run his race, he had fought the what? He had fought the good fight. And so there's going to be times that if you're going to believe God for something or you're trusting him to come through in a promise or some area of your life, I mean, it's good to believe it. It's good to see it. It's good to do all the things. You have a confidence. We talked about trust, confidence. Uh, we, we've, we've talked about all sorts of things, um, expectation. All these things are needful but the bottom line is this, you're going, to have to, you're going to have to spiritually fight for some things. And if you don't understand what it means to rise up and fight for some things that God has promised, you're not going to see all that he may want for you come to pass in your life. We tend to be passive as believers. Sometimes we're so taught the sovereignty of God. You know, God's in charge. God will do whatever God wants to do. You know, it's all in God's hands. Now, are all those statements true? Well, certainly they're true. But that doesn't suddenly exempt us from participating or cooperating in what God's doing in the earth. Otherwise, 
the other verses that talk about you've, you've quenched the Holy Spirit or you've grieved Him or you've become stiff-necked. I mean, what that means is, is you're, you've stuck your shoes in the carpet and God's having to drag you along. God, I, I don't know that I've said this before. I don't know that I get the full understanding revelation of the mystery of God's sovereignty and my freedom. I wish I could tell you in such easy terms how God is sovereign and controls everything and yet He gives me freedom to make decisions. I wish I understood all that, and I've been doing this a long time. But this is what I teach. God is sovereign, and you are free. Deal with it. Okay? That's just how, that's how, that's how it is. And so we're going to have to understand that there are some things we're going to have to arise and lay our hand to and get in the fight. And we're not fighting with God, but we're fighting with our enemy. We're fighting with the powers that are seeking to hinder, thwart, to kill, to steal, to destroy. And, and, and we're going to have to, as Christians, arise and get a backbone and press into some things that God has promised to us. Now, I want to remind you of a couple concepts again in Scripture, and this is just kind of introductory stuff that's flying through my mind. Number one is, we, the Scripture says, are aliens. Look at your neighbor and say, you're an alien. You're an alien. I always knew you were an alien. Ever remember, those of you that saw Men in Black, you remember how we had aliens all around us. They looked like human beings, but they were aliens underneath all of that. Well, that's a funny story. But we are aliens. The Bible says that we are sojourners in a foreign land. While it is true that the earth is the Lord's and all that it contains, the Scripture says that to us. It is also true that Satan is the God, little g, of this world. Or this world system, literally, is what that world word means. So the earth is the Lord's and all that it contains, but who is running the systems of the world? Satan. Can, can you handle that in your mind? God owns the world, but who's running it right now? Satan. Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and all that it contains. But Satan is the little g God of this world. He is the ruler of the systems and the way the world works. Now, our job, a part of our job is, of course, to, to uh, recapture, to exercise dominion. Uh, the Bible says in Colossians 1, verses 18 through 21, that, that when Christ died, he died in order to redeem all things back to him. So he's on a reclamation project. He's wanting to reclaim all of his due rights. He's reclaiming all of the promises. He's reclaiming everything there is on this earth. But the key to it all is, is just as Satan used a human being in order to capture it from sin, God is going to use human beings in order to recover it back to his glory and back to his honor. So that means you and me. Now, that may, that may sound too, too theoretical and ethereal. And, and let me put it to you this way. God has promises for you that are good. Um, he has a plan for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I have plans for you, says the Lord, not to harm you, but to prosper you. There it is again, Miss Louise, to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. Those are God's plans for your life. Isn't that good? Come on now. God has a plan for your life. It's not to harm you. He wants to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. But here's the deal. You got to get up and get on it with him in order to see that come to pass. So we're aliens in a world that is primarily hostile to us. That's why the Bible talks about we need favor. Why do you need favor? Because you're in a hostile environment. 
I don't know whether you've been anywhere lately where you may have been the lone Christian in that particular environment, but sometimes when that happens, you're not an endearing person to everybody who's in the room. Has anybody ever found that out in the room here? I mean, am I the only one that has found myself in an environment I didn't ask for it, I wasn't trying to irritate people, just it was just my, it just, I was a believer and it just aggravated everybody. Well, it's because you're an alien. You are an alien. And when you begin to understand your alien status, it, I think it should help you understand that you're going to have to press into some things. And that means with your faith, you're going to have to learn how to fight. Now, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, and this is just because I can sort of have a little strand of DNA in me that is prophetic in nature. So whenever I get to verses like this, it's like I want to put on the end of it, yeah. Yeah. Because this is what Jesus says. Matthew 11. Well, I'll start with verse 11. Matthew 11, 11. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent, what? Take it or seize it by force. There are some things in the kingdom of God, and let me just define this. There are some things like healing, uh, resource, deliverance, promise. Everything that God has for you exists spiritually first before it manifests naturally before us. And what he says here is this. He says that there are some things in the kingdom that just don't automatically fall to you, but they have to be seized. In fact, it's almost, I hate to use the term violence because violent, violent almost connotates, you know, something evil. You know, if, if we experience violence, it's usually not a good thing. So, so, I, so I, I hesitate from using the word violent, but in, in some ways it's the only word that accurately describes what you have to get. You've got to get right. There are moments in your life you've got to get righteously mad at the devil. And in that righteous anger at the devil, arise and say, I will not be denied. Are you following me? You cannot be a doormat. You cannot be a punching bag for your enemy. I'll give you just examples. For instance, you wake up and it's just a bad morning for whatever reason. Maybe you had a bad previous day. You are discouraged. You are depressed. You're going through, you know, some biorhythm cycle. And you wake up and it's just, you know, you're just, you're just down. And yet it's, it's a day that God has made and he's got promises for you and, and there's things that are important before you. And, and you know what you've got to do? You've got to, you've got to find it in you to arise and go after your day. You've got to find it in you to say, I'm not going to be kept down. I'm not going to be denied. I'm not going to be discouraged. Again, I'll tell you, the scripture calls that encouraging yourself in the Lord. That is probably the greatest ministry you can have is to encourage yourself in the Lord. There are moments you just got to get up and say, I'm not going to think this way. I'm not going to believe this way. I refuse to be discouraged. And don't, you, you, you know, I'm not going to be there with a sermon. My schedule's full. I can't counsel you. You're going to have to get up and get with it. Are you hearing me? That's, that's called maturity. 
Maturity is when you no longer need someone to pick you up out of your crib, but you can walk pretty much on your own. You're going to have to get up, put your feet on the floor, and say, I've got some challenges ahead of me, but the good news is this. Greater is he who's in me than he that's in the world. That my God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or think, according to the power that's working in me. So shall his word be that goeth forth out of his mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please and be successful in the matter for which it was sent. And you got to get this stuff in your system. You get up and make your confession. You begin to expect it will happen. And when you begin to declare these things, do you notice just by me quoting those three verses, the atmosphere in this room has begun to change. See, just by me declaring some verses, it's switching. It's switching. That's what you have to do. Is it always easy? No, it's not always easy. That's why it's called a fight. You're fighting for your future, and you're fighting with your faith. Again, it's not a carnal fight. And I understand that a lot of times your pressures or your frustrations are embodied in people. Isn't that true? They're embodied because you got to interact with somebody. Somebody you don't want to interact with, somebody you don't want to see, somebody you don't want to fool with anymore, somebody that's calling you on the phone. So, I mean, they just, they're embodied in people, which is why Paul would later say that our battle, we battle not with flesh and blood, but with powers and principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places, world forces of darkness. Listen to me, your problem is never people. Your problem is the spirit that's in operation behind those people. And you've got to begin to see beyond the flesh and blood and understand that what's happening is is far more insidious by way of a spiritual battle than it is a carnal battle. Because what we want to do is when someone irritates us, is the first thing we want to do is we just want to, we, we got the ministry of slap. Or cuss. Or something. <laughs> and, and, and again, that those are not the principles of faith. Contending faith is one that is willing to wrestle for the plan or the promise of God and refuses to let it go. I'll say that again. Contending faith is one that is willing to wrestle for the plan or the promise of God and refuses to let it go. I ought to go talk over here. I won't talk to Maria. I'm going to go over here and talk to Catherine. Sayla's your puppy, right? Does Sayla like to play? Does Sayla have a bone or a sock or something? Like you'll shake it at Sayla and she'll grab it. And then, and then you pick her up by the teeth, right? Probably, and carry her around. Does that happen? I mean, not you, yeah. I mean, you play with her, and, and she'll, she'll shake that thing, and, and you'll just, and, and, and you'll just, and, and, and she just won't let it go. I mean, you, 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 I've learned with Pugin that in order for me to get things back from him when we're playing like that, I have to move my hand down the sock until I get right to his snout, and then I got a way to get my fingers in his teeth and pry them open. To get that thing. And then when I get that thing, see, you all know, you those of you that have dogs, you, you can envision this, can't you? And that dog will jump all over me, especially if I'm sitting in a chair on the ground. He'll jump on me and he'll go around the back. Or if I hide it in my hand and just put it out there, he will tear into that hand and try to pry it apart. And it's just, and I know I'm teasing him. It's a game. I'm not being mean. It's a game. He likes it. That dog knows more about contending faith. 
I'm giving an illustration of contending faith. Because that's what happens. You will get you will begin to lay hold of your promise. And at the end of that thing, there'll be there'll be some demonic spirit or the enemy will be hanging on to that thing. And 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 you've got to get that same tenacity in your system as that dog has in his when he says, I'm not letting this this sock is mine. It's mine. And and they will not let it go. You can try to hide it, they aren't gonna let it go. Until, until finally, you, you, it wears you out. This is how the game usually works in my house. I just get worn out. I say, here, take your sock. And it's the most hilarious thing you'll ever see. He'll pick that up, and he'll stand at a distance and look at me with that sock. <laughs> and then he'll go trot off as the victor in some direction with that sock. That is a picture of contending faith. That's just, that's a dog, people. But that dog demonstrates what we should be having when it comes to a promise that God has spoken to us. Now, Scripture indicates, again, write these down, 1 Timothy 6.12. 1 Timothy 6.12. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now, again, I, I, you know, every principle, every faith principle originates from the foundational principle of what it means to be saved. Just as we confess with our mouth, believed in our heart, the spiritual response was, according to Romans 10, was we were saved. When we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in our heart that God was raised from Him from the dead, the Scripture says you were saved. So your confession and your belief activated the spiritual reality that you're going to heaven. That is That template is the foundation for every faith act in your life. He says here that we're to fight the good fight of faith, to lay hold of eternal life. You know, there are days you may wake up and you don't feel saved. I've done that before. How many of you know, though, I don't, I don't function on my feelings? Now, if I've sinned, I need to get that right before the Lord because then there will be, there will be the sense of alienation. But that, that's remedied because I can confess my sin. The Scripture says he is faithful and just to forgive me my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. All I have to do is get myself back in the light as he is in the light. And again, I can experience the cleansing uh, presence and power of God. So, so I, I don't want to leave you with the opinion that if there's un, unconfessed or undealt with sin, that that somehow you don't have a responsibility to deal with that. But if 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 you're clean before the Lord and you wake up one morning and you just don't feel you don't feel spiritual, you don't feel saved. That doesn't mean you aren't because we aren't functioning on our feelings. All right, we're functioning on the fact that uh, we're exercising faith, we're walking in faith, and it says here that sometimes you have to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of eternal life. There's some things that are worth fighting for. And uh, your eternity, I would think, would be one of them. But every, th every promise of God 
And in my life, I've told my wife this, I'll tell you this. The last thing I want to know is when I finally get to heaven, you know, you've heard the story that you're getting your tour and, and God opens up the door and you see this supply closet filled with untapped promise that were, was reserved for you, but you didn't reach out and make claim on it. You didn't reach out by faith and lay hold of it. And, and therefore it sat dormant in the heavenlies. I want my closet to be empty. I want to experience and to know and to receive all that God has for me. I'm not in this to figure out what's the lowest common denominator of my relationship with Jesus Christ. I want the highest possible activity of God and the will of God in my life. That's what I'm looking for. When I, when I signed up for this, I gave my whole life. That's what he asked for. He asked for everything I had. And so I figure if I'm giving him everything I've got, then I'm going to receive everything he's got. And some of those things will only come when I fight the good fight of faith. Now, in 2 Timothy 4, 7, it says this. It says, I have fought, Paul writes, the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. So I'm just giving you some more word to sow into you that you'll understand there's a fight to these things. Now, it's interesting. Let's go back to Hebrews 11 because that's where we've been working with our faith concepts in the faith chapter, Hebrews chapter 11. Listen to some of these verses, Hebrews 11.32. Hebrews 11.32, it says this, And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell you of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets. Verse 33, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Scripture says women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Now, I read to you that, that, that section, just that quick section of Hebrews chapter 11. He's talking about faith. And everything in this section on faith, he, he gives you illustrations of people who went to battle. Gideon had to go to battle against the Midianites. Barak and Samson, Jephthah, all of these people, David as well, all of them had battles they had to face. And it says here that through faith, they subdued things, conquered things, obtained things. They were able to stop things. And it all happened because they arose and they fought with their faith. When you fight with your faith, you will overcome obstacles that stand in your way. And if God has spoken a promise to you, do not think that the enemy will not contend with you for it. And you have to stand your ground. You have to just determine you're going to stand your ground. Again, it's not a carnal battle. If you enter into carnal means, you're going to get, you're going to get blasted. But if you'll stay in faith, and if you'll understand this is a spiritual battle, uh, God will move uh, on your behalf. Now, there are several pointers I want to give you here. I think there are about four things you can write down real quick in the few moments we have left. Just several pointers I want to give you about contending with your faith. Number one. Number one is this. Recognize where your faith level is at. Recognize where your faith level is at. What do I mean by that? Sometimes 
if, if you're not prepared for the battle, now don't beat yourself up over it, but, but a lot of times uh, if we go into something that's over our head, um, we'll find ourselves uh, struggling and sometimes being shipwrecked uh, even in our faith. I put down here, you can admire a dog's courage as he chases a car, but if he gets run over, that was a silly thing to do. Isn't that simple? I mean, we can admire your faith to believe God for some astronomical, off-the-chart, over-the-top thing, but if it ultimately takes you out, then that probably was presumption. Is your faith ready to chase a car, or should you stick with a tricycle for a while? See, faith, the Scripture tells us faith is like a seed that, that is put into the ground, and it grows, and it enlarges. And, and so when we understand that that you know, our faith may be at a place that, you know, it's still sort of at seed level. You know, if your faith is as the seed of a mustard seed, which is small, he says you can move mountains. I realize that. But he also gives the analogy in the parable that it will grow and it will enlarge. And I believe at times that that's exactly what needs to happen in our life. There are things that need to enlarge in our life. And I'm encouraging you to begin to believe God in maybe lower level things now because you're undoubtedly going to face greater things on down the road and you want to be prepared for that moment when the big thing comes. Now, I'm not going to be presumptuous or arrogant and shout out the things I'm ready to face, but I know this, that whatever I'm facing now, I've learned this, that if I'm at the place right now that I am working to cut a tree down on 11 and a half acres out there on Main Road, and I'm, I'm going through all of this, and it's trying my faith. It's working on me. I'm having to stay in faith. I'll stay encouraged. I'll stay focused. Hey, the whole point of it is, is that I believe the tree's coming down, but i got to press through that tree before God gives me forests. Are you following? All right. And that's kind of what it, I think that's how it is for all of us. You're probably facing something right now that you've got to be tenacious, resilient, You've got to be like that dog on a sock, whatever it may be. You may say to yourself, this seems small, it seems insignificant, it seems silly. Listen to me. You've got to, you got to press through with your faith because if you'll beat that thing where you're at now, whatever the next thing down the road is, which I assure you will be bigger, you'll be able to contend with. Again, things are just flying in my spirit right now. You understand David fought a lion and he fought a bear before he got Goliath. You're following me. Benaniah jumped in a pit with a lion on a snowy day, the scripture says, and killed him. That's all it says. Do you realize that in the Bible, there's one little verse that says, talking about David's mighty men, that he's, it says there was such and such, you know, there was Eleazar the dodo, there was, there was this guy, and then there was Benaniah. And all it says about Benaniah was is that he jumped in a pit with a lion on a snowy day and he killed him. That's all it says. Why is that? I will assure you that that lion was his first step to becoming a bodyguard for David later on down the road. Can I just share this with you? If I was a king and I was looking for a bodyguard and I found this dude for no reason jumped in a pit with a lion on a snowy day and killed him. Nobody else was, was volunteering. There was no line to jump in the pit. But this dude jumped in the pit, killed the lion... You're my bodyguard. Dude, if, if you'll do that, I'll trust you with my life. You understand how that act of faith opened a door for him to be a bodyguard to a king. 
There are small, insignificant things that are going on in all of our lives that if we will prevail over these insignificant things, they will become the keys to the doors that will open up our lives to even greater things. But if we don't pass these faith tests here, we'll never get. See, Ben and I never jumped into the pit. He had never been a bodyguard. If David hadn't killed the bear and he hadn't killed the lion, he wouldn't have been ready for a Goliath. You're following me now, right? So what are you facing right now? Don't, don't let it go. Press through into the will of God. Recognize where your faith level is at. Number two, the scripture says we can use the shield of faith. Got to hurry. The shield of faith is in Ephesians 6, 13 through 16, which extinguishes all the darts of the evil one. Anytime the enemy attacks you, it should be met with faith. I'll say that again. Anytime the enemy attacks you, it should be met with faith. Just find some faith act. If you want, if the enemy is attacking you, this is what we do in our household. If we find for some reason, I'm just, I'll use finance again. It's an easy one to do. If he's attacking my finances, what do you do? I start giving more. Why do you do that? Because it's an act of faith for me. I say, if you, if you want to attack me in this area, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just give it all away. There, take that. You ain't, you ain't going to sap it from me. I'll give it to God before you get it. Huh. You understand a faith act. Use your shield of faith. I got to hurry. Number three, you got to keep your zeal. Zeal is needed to contend for God's promises. Isaiah 42 and 13. I think that's a great passage there. I need to look that up. Isaiah 42 and 13. Listen to this. It says, The Lord shall go forth like a mighty man. He shall stir up his zeal like a man of war. He shall cry out, Yes! Shout aloud, he shall prevail against his enemies. Scripture says that he will shout yes and prevail. And so when we come to the house of the Lord, and the reason we meet on Sundays, the first day of the week, and on Wednesdays, we open it up for people to come, it's because these are the moments we can be refueled in our faith, we can be built up in our faith, we can have God's word sowed into us that enlarges our faith, and what happens is, is that God begins to shout over us again, yes, you will prevail. Now, I'm not God. I'm not even close. But my voice is being used by God right now for you saying, yes, you will prevail. Yes, you will. Yes, you'll prevail. Yes, you will. I heard the amen, and then I heard, I heard by the Spirit someone else saying, eh, yes, you will. Yes, you will. And when we come to the house of the Lord, sometimes we just have to say yes. Because what is, what is 2 Corinthians 1.20? It says, it says that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And he's given us the Holy Spirit as a down payment to those things. Then obviously I put down here number four with regards to contending with your faith. And we are a spirit-filled church. And so I just teach this, you know, praying in your prayer language. Jude 20 says that I build up my most holy faith when I pray in the Spirit. And a lot of times when I'm depleted, I don't know what to say, or I'm, I'm feeling emotional, or I'm upset, or I'm angry, or whatever emotion may be working through me, and I, I can't even put it into English. I just pray in the Spirit. And the Bible says I build up my faith. I enlarge my faith. I encourage you to do that. Remember, I, we already went through a series, Embrace This Stuff. These, these are keys to victory. Amen. Let's stand.